Welcome to episode number 35 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. We are currently in a, in a series, a financial series, entitled Our Finances Need Prayer and Faith. Because without prayer, we have no hope. Without faith, we have no hope. So we need to put the two together, and we know that God will bless our prayers as long as we have faith to believe for those blessings. So let's move into that today. We're going to take a special topic today. This this particular episode is entitled, How to Recognize Financial Greed. So let's pray and ask God's wisdom and direction. Lord, I pray that you would anoint this teaching today. I pray the Holy Spirit would come in and help this teaching, Father God, to go deep into the hearts and the lives of those individuals who are listening in today. I pray, Lord, that you would touch me and anoint this teaching, Father, that I would speak only those things you would have me to share and avoid those issues, Father, that are not to be spoken of at this particular time. I thank you for it. I thank you for your leading, and I thank you for what you're going to do through this podcast today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I mentioned in the introduction, this particular episode has to do with how to recognize financial greed, not only in the lives of other people, but in our own life. Because something we need to avoid, without a doubt, is any form of greed. There's a very strong scripture. I was kind of wondering if I should use it or not, but I think it might be worthwhile at this time just to start off with the Word of God tells us about dealing with greed. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 5, it says here, You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Now, evidently, the Lord wants us to avoid in any way possible any form of greed in our life. So we're going to talk about that today and how we can identify it when it might slip into our own life and probably just as important so we can identify it when we see it in other people so that we can avoid being involved or connect with those people or we can help them or instruct them to let them know that that is not exactly the way God would have them to go. I'm going to throw out a couple of questions I think that might help us get started. Are we happy when someone else is successful? When you see someone maybe who you've known for many years or maybe you've only recently met and you see that they're being blessed financially and they have things that show that God is blessing them or they're just working very hard in business and the Lord is blessing them through that business, whoever it might be. Are you pleased with them? Are you happy for them? Is that something that makes you joyful or is it something that you struggle with? Because I think we need to be careful not to enjoy the successes of other people. You know, in the business world, in banking, we were very competitive. They call it competitive. I call it jealousy because there was a lot of bankers who were jealous of another person's success. The Lord blessed me in my own banking career extremely well, and it seemed like every few months I was getting some kind of a promotion, and the Lord was blessing me and letting people know that the blessing, quite frankly, the blessing was coming from Him. Now, not everyone was happy about my blessings, about my promotions. There were people, men and women that I knew in the bank were upset with me or became jealous of because of the blessing in my life. When they'd ask me, how come I got this and how come I got that? I always wanted to let them know it was the Lord that brought the blessing in. It's the blessings of the Lord that makes us prosper that we want. We want to see spiritual prosperity before we see financial prosperity so that we're founded in the Word of God and founded in our faith and our trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So when someone else gets a promotion and you don't, 
then you should still rejoice in the Lord and be happy for them. Now you say, what if they're a scoundrel? What if they're a crook or a criminal type person? Well, it's not going to do you any good to get upset with someone just because they're dishonest or crooked or whatever it might be. You should just basically say, Lord, I'm going to leave that in your hands and I'm going to move on. There's something that our pastor used to talk a lot about. He entitled one message one day entitled Vicarious Living vicarious living. Have you ever wondered what that is? You wondered what it means to live vicariously? Allow me to give you my definition of vicarious living. It's when we are happy for someone else's blessing. It's when we are a manager at a bank and someone else gets promoted and we didn't get promoted. We're happy for them. We're joyful for them. And we're waiting for God to perform something in our life and also to learn from why they were promoted and we were not promoted. Vicarious living means to be to enjoy something through other people by participation in an experience of others. Happy that someone else is successful. Happy that the people down the street were able to put a new swimming pool in their backyard and you really can't afford it yet. But it's enjoying the successes of other people, being blessed by someone else's blessing. When we can learn to live vicariously through the lives of other people, we won't have things like greed or jealousy or anger or frustration or disappointment or regret. Those things will be removed from our life and we will not be envious of what's happened to them and we should have joy for them. That may be a little heavy for some of you. Maybe you'll be struggling through that situation. Maybe someone cheated you in business or stole from you or took something away from you or or basically took advantage of you at work or wherever it might be. Well, you know, the Lord tells us that we should, when that happens in our life, that we should then pray for those who despitefully use us. Matter of fact, to pray for those who come up against us and, and try to do terrible things to us. So praying for them will be the beginning of learning how to live vicariously for the blessings that others receive. Let me give you another example of how we can keep greed out of our own life when we don't even know that it's happening. Because I believe many times we don't realize that we have a form of greed in our life when something happens good maybe happens to someone else. In my own life, I've had many situations where I built homes and sold them. We had a home building business for 15 years. And during that time, we built a lot of really nice homes in North Scottsdale, Arizona, a very nice area. And we would sell those homes and be happy that we sold them and made a profit. Well, sometimes a couple years later, later, a realtor would come to me and say something like this. The home that you sold to another person for $600,000 only six or eight months later was resold to someone else for $800,000. Wouldn't it, Does that bother me? Or they would say, doesn't that irritate you or get you upset to think that maybe you lost something and you could have sold it for more a little later? And my response is always very quickly, no, I don't have any problem at all with other people making a profit off of something that I sold them because I don't want to lose the joy I had when I sold that property. Let's say when I sold a home for $600,000, I could make a profit of $100,000 or $150,000. I was really happy with that and thanked the Lord for the blessing and moved on because I believed that making a profit was a good thing and that I was happy for it and content for it. And I was hoping that that other person would do well and that they would be blessed by that home down the road. So when the realtor would say something like, well, they sold it for $200,000 more than you did, you should probably be upset with that. And I would say, no, I don't 
really look at it that way because you see, as a Christian, we've got to remember that I need to avoid, the Bible says, every form of greed. Now, I would be greedy if I was resentful or upset or disappointed that someone sold something for more than what I sold it for. Now, you might think, well, that's kind of a crazy example. Let's get down a little bit smaller example then. Let's say you sell a car to someone for $2,000 and that person takes that same car, goes down the street and sells it to a neighbor for $3,000. And you're thinking, well, why didn't they pay me more? We can't do that because we've got to keep that out of our heart, keep it out of our mind. The Bible has so many examples of how to avoid various forms of greed. And I think this teaching is here to protect us so that we won't lose out on the blessing of the Lord. I've always believed that God's word has explanations and scriptures and teachings for us to help us in every area of life. Well, in the area of greed, there's a wonderful Proverbs I'm going to read to you. It's found in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 19. And I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation. It says, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. So I don't need to read all the scriptures before that that tells about what type of fate. This talks about people who wrong people and commit evil deeds and commit murder and all that stuff. That's not important. What's important right now is understand verse number 19 says when all those things happen it's the fate of all who are greedy for money it robs them of life that what that tells me what that's teaching me is that is that when we are greedy we rob ourselves of the blessings of the Lord we rob ourselves of being happy for other people therefore God is not going to be pleased with us now that, that doesn't mean that God is up there with a giant hammer ready to hit all those people who have been greedy at times because we've all done it I've done it I've made that mistake but we need to learn from it. There are times that that when we get greedy about something, we realize it right in the middle of it. Reminds me of a story of a man who was a apartment builder. He became a very dear friend of mine. This was many years ago. And we were talking about his apartments and that he was going to sell them. And so he put them on the market to sell them. And he had he was going to sell them for millions and millions of dollars. And I was his banker and I had financed his project. So he came to me and he said, I think I'm going to sell this property. He said, but it's, let me give you an example. I forget the numbers exactly, but it was something like maybe $5 million for this facility. And that $5 million was a, was a good number. That's what he had, what he had on the market for it. But he got an offer for like $3 million. And he said, I don't want to go for that, even though he would have still made a profit of a million dollars had he done that. He said, no, I don't want to do that. So he held out for five. Well, then I told him, I think it's probably going to change. The market's going to change. Let's not get too greedy on this thing. He wasn't real happy with me. So he decided, no, I'm not going to do it. So the market got worse and worse and worse. And it was a year before he had anyone else offer him anything for it. Well, then the next offer came in at $2 million. Remember I said it was five, it was three and that he wanted five. So now the offer is down to two, which is about what he had in the project. So now he had to re- he refused that one, said, no, I just can't do it. So then the market got worse. And about a year later, he got an offer for a million and a half dollars. So he had no choice but to give it back to the bank. He took a $500,000 loss because he was trying to hold out to the absolute maximum profit that he could get. And he wound up getting nothing. So that scripture, I guess that's a lesson in there. It robs them of life when we have greed in our life. So instead of being happy with a small profit, he was holding out for a much larger one. And that wound up not only not making a profit of any kind, but taking a significant loss. It robbed him of life. Let's look at another scripture that's helpful in this area of trying to identify greed. In Proverbs 28 and verse 22, it reads in the New Living Translation, greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. Wow. So a greedy person is one who's trying to make a lot of money overnight are actually practicing a level of greed in their life. It means that they're not willing to go to work on a steady 
consistent, steady path. The Bible also tells us that steady plotting brings prosperity and hasty speculation brings poverty. Now, when you look at those scriptures, you've got to identify with them and say, I guess it's not real smart for us to go ahead and try and get into a get-rich-quick scheme. Because when we do, we don't realize that we're headed for a, a fall. We're headed for a real challenge in our life. So it's we need to be careful anytime we think that this get-rich-quick thing is just too good to be true. Well, as they say, if, it's, if they say it's too good to be true, then it most likely is not true. Let's go down a couple verses in Proverbs 28 and read verse 25. Greed causes fighting. Trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. Why, why do people, you think, fight in finances? Why, why are there so many battles? Why are there so many lawsuits? Why are, do so many people have to try and settle things in court? I can remember a situation years ago in, when I was building homes where a person was not happy with the home that I built them. And so they said, well, I'm going to have to sue you because I'm, I'm so upset because because I'm so unhappy with the home you built. Now, this was a beautiful house. We had it inspected by a very competent inspector. He said it was a beautiful home. It was extremely well built. Matter of fact, it was one of the best built homes that he'd seen. We had engineers come out and inspect it. They all gave it raving reviews. And one after another verified that this was a great product, something that this person should be happy to own. But there was something inside this person that just made him angry, frustrated that, that somehow he wasn't getting the kind of home that he expected. On one particular day, I have to give you this example. On one particular day, he was in the home walking around and I was invited to come over because he had a complaint about the flooring. So I went over to him after he had lived there for a while. And when I walked to the front door, there were these little sticky pads. You know, you've seen them that people use in work. And he had gone all over the floor and put sticky pads. There were hundreds of them. This was a 4,000 square foot house. And there were literally hundreds of little sticky pads on his marble floor that we had put in. And he said, every place where there's a sticky it pad, that shows that I can touch it with my finger and I can feel the difference between one piece of marble and the other piece of marble. And he said, that's not acceptable. Well, the code said that the difference between one piece of marble and another had a certain standard. And I was well within that standard. He was trying to say that because his fingertip could feel that grout, that somehow I had done something wrong. And it was just a good example of this home being inferior and that he wanted to get a lot of money back from it. So we talked about it. We couldn't come to an agreement. He says, by the way, he said, it's 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 not about the floor. It's not about the damage. He says, it's just the principle of the thing. Now I've discovered in my own life, being a banker for 15 years and a home builder for 15 years and a pastor for 20 years, I can tell you this, when someone says it's not the money, it's the principle, usually what I should, re I usually should respond with is, well, then how much is this principle going to cost me? Because I have found when people are being greedy for something, it's and it's about money. It's about money. They can call it principal. They can call it about anything else they want to call it. But in reality, it's financial. And if you offer them a certain amount of money, they'll be real happy to move along and be done with it. So, so much for the principle of the thing when in reality, it's really a matter of pure greed and something that we should avoid and that we should be able to identify and see in other people who have that same challenge in their life. Let's digress just a little bit and go back to Proverbs 28 and 22 because there's something in there I think I missed that I'd like to bring up at this point. Proverbs 28, 22, New Living Translation says this, greedy people try to get rich quick. Now we covered that 
All we're going to cover it. But this part here. But don't realize they're headed for poverty. Now, most people have come to me over the years, and I've had a lot of folks come to me for various reasons of borrowing money or counsel because, remember, I was a banker for 15 years and a pastor for 20 years. And many, many times people would come to me with these ideas that they thought were going to make them wealthy overnight. It was going to be something something huge, something big and successful. And they were going to be able to be blessed and they would have so much money that they'd be able to help other people and bless. But it was usually some pie in the sky thing, something that was completely false, something that would not work, something that had really no chance at all. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't bless someone and they can become rich overnight, but his word talks so much against getting rich overnight that I kind of think that must be an exception that God must make from time to time in dealing with people and their finances. Because if you look at 22, greedy people try to get rich quick. That's That just describes it very clearly. But don't realize they're headed for poverty. So when, when we get all of our our thoughts, our plans, our goals, our thinking designed to become rich rather than to just prosper according to how the Lord wants us to prosper, then we can sometimes, if we're especially if we're married, we can put our family in a very difficult time. We can put our finances in a very difficult time. People will go out and take great risk. It's kind of like gambling in Las Vegas. They'll go there and take money and take a ton of money over there and say, well, I'm just going to go ahead and hit it rich here and, and think that somehow they're going to get this big a bunch of cash. Well, Las Vegas was not built by giving away tons of money. It was built by taking money from people and and they're always, almost always, the house is what wins, not the individual who's gambling. There are exceptions, but I don't think we want to go out gambling. That's why I'm not a big believer in playing the lotto or playing the lottery or playing something where you risk your, the money that God has blessed you with. Now, here I'll probably lose about half of you when I talk about playing the lottery. I have particular opinion about that that I believe is based on the Word of God, and that is when I receive something from God, say it's $100 or $50, and that blessing comes from the Lord, then I need to keep that blessing as something righteous and that's holy that God has blessed me with and do something good and constructive with it. If I take that $50 and I run down to the local store and buy a bunch of tickets for a chance to win millions of dollars, the chances of that happening are so slim, and I'm putting my faith and my trust in that, that one in 10 trillion or 10 million or 10 billion chance to, to win some money, I'm putting my hope there. And that's a mistake. I believe to be blessed of the Lord in our finances, I, you'd be better off. We would all be better off to take that $50, go back to our church and put it in the offering and bless the work of the Lord. Because when you bless the work of the Lord, you get God's attention. Because when you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That doesn't mean if you put $50 in the offering, you're going to go home and get a $5,000 check in the mail. I'm not saying that that's, that's what's going to happen. But what I am saying is you can't outgive God. We can never outgive God. So in our finances, if there's a $50 bill in your pocket, I would encourage you to give it to bless someone else. If you need it to take care of your own finances, fine. Take care of that first. But otherwise, give as unto the Lord, and watch the Lord bless you with what we give to him, because God is not a greedy God. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. He wants to bless us. He wants to pro- us to prosper in all things and be in good health, even as our soul prospers. That's one of my absolute favorite phrases and statements right now, is that God wants to bless us. So we need to realize that those who are running around with a greedy attitude, with a feeling of bless me and no one else, an understanding or a thought that somehow I can get blessed, and if others don't get blessed, that's okay. Well, it's not okay. It's not okay with God.
There was a book written many, many years ago entitled The Art of the Deal, and former President Trump wrote that book, and when he wrote it, it wasn't a, was not a Christian book. It wasn't based on Christian standards, and it was well-written and something that was a huge success because people want to know how they can make a lot of money. But throughout that entire book, there's one theme that I never saw, and that was that when I'm blessed, someone else should be blessed. Now, it may be in there, but I don't recall seeing it because I really believe very strongly that when we are blessed financially, that we should then be a blessing to someone else. As a matter of fact, I feel so strong about it that I'm in the process of putting a book together. It may take me a year or two years to finish it because of all the podcasts I'm doing and other books that I'm writing right now. But I'm working on a book entitled The Art of the Fair Deal. That's not to put down President Trump, not at all, or anyone else in business. But in my experience with business, I found that when I was financing a businessman, he was his goal, his primary goal was to make money for him, for his family. And that's that's good, that's fine. But what was wrong about that, he he many times wanted to make money just for him. And if other people lost while he was making money, that was good. I don't believe that's the way we should do things, especially as believers. I believe that if one person makes a profit, the other person should be able to make a profit. When I would sell a home to someone, there were many times I sold a home and I knew that I was selling it maybe for a little less than what I thought I could get if I could hang on to it. But I had learned in the past not to be greedy. So I would leave what we call a little money on the table. That would mean I'd sell a home for $300,000 knowing that I probably hang on and get 325,000 but the 300,000 was a blessing to me it was a I had a profit in there for me it would help my company it would help my family it would not be any form of greed whatsoever and I felt comfortable that I left a little on the table and if that person bought it for $325,000 and 6 months later sold it for 400,000 or 350 I was happy for them because I was already blessed I didn't need to be greedy because when I finished that deal and I sold that property, then what happened to me is that I got the attention of God and God was pleased with that. So the next thing I knew, I would have another home that I could sell and make a profit on. There's an old saying that I've had that I've taught for many, many years. A profit is good, even if it's a small profit. Even if you don't make as much as you'd like to be, don't be discouraged by a small profit or a profit or a small gain in something. So I need to get off of this topic because as you can tell, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm interested in it. I, I know that God wants to bless it and I know that it'll help people understand the importance to avoid every form of greed. Let's look at one more passage of scripture I think that might be helpful in this teaching on how to understand and recognize financial greed maybe in our life or in the lives of other people. It's found in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 27. New Living Translation. Greed brings grief to the whole family, but those who hate bribes will live. Now that might sound not sound just a little bit confusing when what do bribes have to do with the whole family and what do bribes have to do with, with grief and with greed. But let's just take a look at it and see what, what I believe would be a good interpretation of what that scripture's saying. I believe what the Lord is telling us that any time that we're motivated by greed and greed alone, greed alone, that, and that we're not interested in whether someone else does well or that someone else also prospers in addition to us prospering, it will bring grief to the whole family. Let, let's say, go back to my example. Let's say that when I sold a home for 300000 and I would get frustrated and get greedy about it and think, well, I should have got more, I should have got more. And, and so I'm going to go back to that realtor and tell him that he did a bad thing and that he set me up and he helped me try to get less than I should have got for, the, for that house. 
and I would be angry and frustrated. I was getting greedy about it. Let's say I actually did that. What's happening right there? I bring grief to the whole family. I bring that grief home with me. I go home and I see my wife and I get frustrated and tell her how I thought I made a big mistake or that guy took advantage of me or all of a sudden I get into conflict with a realtor for something that I already agreed to. Rather than just be happy and be content with what I had, I should always understand that that God has blessed me, be thankful for what I have, and move on to the next situation, next, next transaction. But I can hurt my family when I allow greed to bring grief to my family. It says, but those who hate bribes will live. Well, first of all, we probably should identify what, what a bribe is. A bribe is something that is used to influence or corrupt someone else. You always hear about politicians maybe are being bribed to give money in order to get people, get that politician to vote for some type of legislation that should be given to them that would help their business. Bribe can be money uh, or it can be something of value, value that would be what we call consideration or promised or given with, with an underlying view to corrupt someone else, a person or an individual or an, a company or an agency. It's, it's something that's given to someone else to persuade them or kind of to get them to understand your side of the situation. It's basically a form of corruption. Now, if we look at that scripture again and add some of these words in there, it might jump out of the pages even a little stronger than I read it for the first time. It said in verse 27, greed brings grief to the whole family. We've discussed that enough, but those who hate bribes will live. Those, it says, who are opposed to any type of influence they want to have over someone else to take advantage of that person. Now, there's nothing wrong with trying to get influence over someone else to understand your point of view, but to pay them, to bribe them, to do something so that they get something from you that is dishonest or even illegal. So it's important we understand when the Word of God tells us things like bribing and greed and things that that are damaging to us, God's doing that to help us. He's trying to build us. He's trying to build us in our faith and our commitment to serve Him according to His Word. So I don't want you to take this teaching and look at it as something that's negative in any way, shape, or form. It's important that we understand that we want to avoid any type of greed. I find it kind of comical that when we raise children, there's something that we do a lot of times, which in a very mild sense is kind of like a bribe. We look at our little kid and we say to ourselves, if you'll eat your vegetables, you can have ice cream after dinner. Now, that's a pretty mild little bribe, but nonetheless, it starts to establish a pattern that we need to be careful of. Our children hear it, so that little guy goes next door and he plays marbles with his buddy next door and he says, if you'll give me this marble, I'll give you that marble, knowing that the one he has is far more valuable than the one that his little friend has. And so they're using what they've learned at home. Now, some might say, boy, you're really stretching and reaching out on this one. I don't, I don't believe that at all. I'm not stretching or reaching out at all. It's important to understand that greed needs to be out of our life, that we should never allow bribery to become a part of our life. And we should also never be bribed by someone. We can't be bought. They, they say, and other people will say this statement, well, anybody can be bought for a price. Well, I disagree with that totally. When I worked for the bank, I dealt with millions and millions of dollars, sometimes daily. I would see as much much as several million dollars stacked up on pallets in a gigantic vault where they delivered all of the currency from all over the state. And to me to see that millions of dollars was meaningless to me. Someone could have offered me 
$10 million pallets worth of, of gold or money or whatever it might be, and I would have never had any interest in it whatsoever. On the other hand, if I was walking through that area with currency and I dropped my own dollar on the floor, I'd be quick to pick my dollar up because it's my dollar. But if one of those dollars fell out of one of those packs of money on pallets, I would never have touched one, kept one, or put one in my own pocket because I knew that nothing good could come out of it. So I'm hoping that in this message today that something good will come out of it. I pray that you'll be able to identify greed in others and, and experience in your own life so that when you're in the middle of negotiating on selling a house or a car or negotiating for a raise at, at your, your work employment, that we allow never allow ourselves to become greedy to the point that we hurt our family, we hurt ourselves, we hurt our integrity, and most importantly, that we disappoint our God. So I'm going to pray now that you'll be blessed from this teaching and that we'll all take something home from it. I know in my own way, there's things in here that I've reminded myself of that were things and lessons that I've learned in, in my life. And I know that God has a lesson for all of us. Father, bless this teaching, Father, that your word will go into the hearts and lives of those who are listening today, that you would bless it, Father, that you would anoint it, Father, and that those listening to this lesson, lesson, Father God, would understand the importance of avoiding all forms of greed in every situation. And I'll thank you for it now and give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that you've been blessed by this week's episode, episode number 35. So we'll be following up this with a teaching next week on episode number 36 entitled, Giving to Receive from the Lord. Now my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com has information available to you on finances. There are books on that webpage and dealing with experiencing the joy of debt-free living and how to have faith and how to have trust in God. So I pray that those will be of value to you. Also, if you're interested in subscribing to my podcast, you can do that at cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Until next time, may God richly bless you.